0: Happy birthday, Americas, right? Happy 4th of July weekend to each and every one of you. And what a moment to celebrate our freedoms that we have in our nation and the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Freedom is a gift from God. How many of you know that? And we have a lot to be thankful for. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs 3, verse 5. And um, if you will, we're continuing the second week in the series about trusting God. uh, About trusting God in and through every situation in your life. We started this last week. We're finishing up today, and we've called it In God We Trust. Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, understand, if you're like most Christians, you may be concerned about the direction of our nation when you see what is happening around you. And uh, throughout the decades, you know, we continue to see God being shut out in lives, our nation, our schools, our laws, and the decision-making process. And I just want to let you know, just beginning today, you know, I've never used this platform for political views and political persuasion. Our agenda is Jesus Christ, and our job is to lift him up as the Savior of the world. We are here to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is Jesus. And I, I have had people ask me. Sometimes we come into election season. Thank God we're not in one right now. You know, why don't you talk about political parties more or voting more? I just don't think it's helpful. We pray. We encourage you to pray. We encourage you to fast. And go out and vote. And that's my encouragement, our encouragement here. But my assignment to you is to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's God's assignment upon me and in the body of Christ. And I just want you to know, I know there's concern, anxiety about our nation, God being put out and shut out. But I'd like to suggest to you that getting mad at the world is not the answer. The secular world is secular. You can't expect people who haven't experienced Jesus to be ready and willing to follow his teachings. How many of you follow me on this? You know, we can't expect the secular world, you know, to operate inside the same realms we do as believers. Now listen, if you're a Bible thumper and smack people over the head and condemn others with scripture, please don't tell people where you go to church because that is not who we are. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Yes, that's not us, okay? That's not this church. Complaining and griping is not going to shine the light of truth and the gospel brighter, but rather it's going to create more confusion, tension, strife, and division in the world that we live in. Now, we shouldn't be passive either. I, I understand that, but we should ask, This is coming through the Supreme Court or wherever it may be. What does God think about this? You know, that's that should be in our daily thoughts and discussion. And then become an ambassador to do the will and the word of the Lord throughout our daily expression. So I want to encourage you to lean in today, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And I want to encourage you to lean into a lifestyle, a lifestyle of trusting God in what you say, in what you do, in your behavior, in your choices, and that you would acknowledge him and you would put your trust in him. So how many of you know that everybody leans in one direction or another? Some people lean into their worries When you're around them, you will sense that. You will pick up on that reality. You sense their worries. Others lean into fear. Others lean into catastrophic dangers. Others lean into media news, things that could happen in our world. Some people lean into their hurts. Some people lean into their offenses. And so we need to know that people lean into all kinds of things. Some people lean on their own understanding. You get around them and they're always talking about their philosophies, their ideas, their opinions. They could never be wrong. They are right in everything, huh? So I want to recommend to you that we do something together, and that is lean into a lifestyle of trusting God in who he is. Rather than do what the world does, we should do what Jesus has called believers to do in this day. So I want you for a moment, if you just all look at me for a minute, if you'll just go like this and kind of just limber up and shake it off for just a minute. Come on, let me see it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, because I need your help here. Okay, you did good. You shook it off. That's good. The first thing I want you to do is if you will do this with me, you will lean left. Okay, just lean left. Okay, don't lean the way I'm going because this is my left, not your left. So leaning left, you know. And then there's people that, if you will, lean right you know, on things in their life. Uh, there's also, if you will, is that there are those that lean back. Can you lean back? They they lean back in fear. They lean back in hesitation. And you know, what happens with those people, you, you can't get people to act on anything because they're contemplating everything, you know, kind of that. What I want to suggest you is that we not lean to the left or lean to the right or even lean back, but we as believers who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, that you would lean in. Can I see you lean in? You would begin, That's so good, so good. I'm not going to have you hold that all service, but that was great. You're leaning in to a lifestyle to trust in God. This is easier said than done. Somebody shout lean in. Yeah. So that if you're finding yourself leaning back today, and you're leaning back in hesitation, that you would pop back and you would lean forward towards God. My encouragement to you is moving from marginal trust to fully trusting in God in your life. Whatever that looks like, I see a lot of believers profess faith in Christ who are caught up in this issue and then on that issue. And we're not... We can't change the world if we're caught up in issues and systems. If you're a Christ follower, the greatest thing that you could do in the society in the culture that we live is live in is focus on deepening your own relationship of trust in God, trust in his word as truth and trust in his plan as right. Can I hear an amen? Moving from your life, from selective trust in God to complete trust in God. And everybody in this room, sometime or another throughout your history, or you may be here today, have had selective trust. You're trusting him here, but you're not trusting him here. So whether you're just starting in your faith, or you've known God for many, many years, that I want to encourage you to keep trusting God. Now, Genesis 22, we unfolded this story last week about Abraham. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Is a man named Abraham demonstrating incredibly high levels of trust in God. Although there are many stories in the Bible of people trusting God in severe and extreme circumstances, this is the trusting God story of all trusting God stories in the Old Testament. It's epic in proportion to the others because God appears to be making a completely bizarre, irrational, unreasonable request just because with no explanation. And Abraham does the unthinkable, he obeys. He does the unthinkable, he obeys. We saw this in verse 2 last week of Genesis 22. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. What? This seems crazy. We know from last week as we looked at this, you know, he didn't wait another month. It says early the next morning, this is what he did. He got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. They'd cut enough wood and the burnt offering. He set out for the place that God had told him about. Between verse 2... And verses 15 through 18, which is where things started turning around, many of you know this because you've looked and you've read and you've studied this story. This is three to four days of crazy trust. This wasn't just like, hey, we're just going to go up to the mountain. We'll be there in about 20 minutes. This was a three to four day trek taking this with him, servants, his son, and everything being prepared in their heart For an offering, it's precedent-setting, it's life-changing, it's world-shaping, raw, rugged, tested, tried, T-R-U-S-T-N. God, between verse 2 and 15, it's challenging. Because we see the angel of the Lord called to Abraham, verse 15, from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord... That because you did this and have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, powerful, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. If you're taking notes, the first point is trusting God is about having confidence in the outcome versus being delivered from the process. Trusting, truly trusting God is about having confidence in the outcome versus being delivered from the process. Because we see in verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. If you notice, this is not singular, this is plural. We will come back to you. Can you say we? We. Not I. He said we will come back. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide. Can you say that with me? God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and two of them went on together. I want you to get this in your heart. God himself will provide. What's amazing in this story is Abraham heard the voice of the Lord, and he acted immediately on the voice of the Lord, and he took with him the knife And he carried with him the fire, and he took the sacrifice of his only son, Isaac, with him. He was providing everything because he knew this, God deserves our best, so let's bring it all. Because God says this is what you're supposed to do. God himself will provide. Trusting God is about having confidence in the outcome versus being delivered from the process. Abraham saying the story's not going to end the way it seems. It's going to end. This is a chapter, but this is not the story. Admiral Jim Stockton was a U.S. pilot shot down over Vietnam in 1965. He was beaten, kept in cells measuring three feet by nine feet. With a light bulb kept on around the clock, they were locked in leg irons each night. When asked about his coping strategy during his period in the Vietnamese POW camp, he said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining moment of my life, which, in retrospect, I would not trade. When Collins asked this question, Who didn't make it out of Vietnam? Stockdale replied, Oh, that's easy. The optimists. The optimists? Oh, They were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas, and Christmas would come, and Christmas would go. And they're the ones that said that we would be out by Easter, and Easter would come, and Easter would go, and Thanksgiving, and it would come, and it would go, and then it would be Christmas again, and they died of a broken heart. Stockdale added, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. In other words, trust in God, faith in God, is not being able to control the process, but having confidence in the outcome. Meaning, you and I are going to go through crazy things in our life, Many times we're not going to be able to explain it, but real faith is not some Pollyannic kind of thing. Oh, if we can just make it to Christmas, uh, we don't know. Real faith is saying, I know that at the end of everything, I know that when it is all said and done, that God is still God and that God is still good. Amen? This is what Abraham did. He spoke uh, words of assurance about the outcome and I I need you to understand this and God wants us to understand this through his word that we need to learn to speak words of assurance about the outcome that is yet to come while we're in this season of life. That you have to begin to speak it out that I know some way I know someday that God's going to bring it all back around, that God's going to heal this mess, that God's going to restore it, that God's going to make everything right. And somehow, some way, it's all going to work out because God is a good God and does good things for people like you and people like me. It's about an assurance about the outcome rather than a deliverance about the process. I'll be the first to tell you I want deliverance in the process, right? How about you? And we don't want to go through that many times, but God is challenging us, and he's testing our faith to see whether we'll do it. Second is a point that I want to bring up that we talked about last week. We do not learn trust in the place of addition. We learn trust in the place of subtraction. There's a story in the New Testament of a rich young ruler who had a verse 2 moment. A rich man came to Jesus. And in this rich man, verse 2, he's not a son on an ancient stone altar. It's different. And he's dialoguing with Jesus in the New Testament. The rich young ruler is talking to Jesus. And Jesus, "Uh, what would you have for me? The rich young ruler is talking and dialoguing, conversing with Jesus Christ. And you see inside of there, we see the response Jesus says to him, go sell all that you have and give it away. What happens in this moment, this guy overthinks and underacts. Trust is the absolute issue on the table. This is verse 2. This is a verse 2. It could be a potential verse 2 in his life, just like it was for Abraham's life. And he failed to trust. The Bible says he walked away sorrowful because he had many riches and we never hear about him again. Another way to say that is not only did he have many riches, but many riches had him. There's nothing wrong with having many riches. It's when riches have us. How I many you know what I'm saying? What if he had done what Abraham did? What if he had said, I can't believe you want me to surrender as he's talking to Jesus, could you imagine, wow, I'm, I'm in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, what would you have me to do? And Jesus says, I want you to go sell everything and give it away. Could you imagine the rich young ruler at this point? Everything? You mean everything? And Jesus is, says, yes, Everything. Well, I mean, I've made this money. I'm the rich young ruler. I've made it. I've been able to pay my way through everything. But Jesus knew what was in his heart. And he calls it out of this rich young ruler. And Jesus said, yeah, I want you to give everything. That's my will and that's my my desire over your life. You know, wonder, just wonder, um, if this rich young ruler woke up the next morning, called on his crew together said, hey, we're going to put everything in the market and we're going to sell it. I believe that his story would have been much different and a lot like Abraham's if he would have done what Jesus told him to do. How about you? But see, the thing in this story is it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's about his heart. So many people think it's about the money they have or the money they don't have the time they have and don't have, the talent they have and don't have. To Jesus, it's about the heart because Jesus is always speaking to the heart because it's the heart of the matter that counts. He's always speaking. He's pushing through. He's transcending all this stuff on the peripheral. He's trying to get to the heart of the matter because Jesus is always going after the heart. That's how I've seen it in my own life is God is asking me, what do you treasure? Me of the stuff about trusting God. It's about a level of obedience that only could emerge through a demonstration of confidence about his own instincts and his own will. Is it possible that if he had done what Abraham did, his own verse 2, he would have had his own verse 15 through 18? That he could have had an experience just like Abraham did, but did his lack of trust in God hold him back from experiencing God's goodness in a fresh way in his life? Absolutely. Because we need to know this, that trusting God never goes unrewarded. How many of you are with me? When you and I are trusting God, it always will be rewarded. Now, it might always be the way we think it is or how it should come. But God is the one, he is the one that rewards people. He's the rewarder. It opens up the door of blessing. Now you look at this, God multiplied oil for a widow in the Old Testament. He multiplied fish and bread on a Judean hillside. By the way, Isaac was not just Abraham's son. Abraham offered his first and only son. Abraham didn't want to see if he had other sons. Before he offered his first and only son, it wasn't like, wait a minute, I just wanna find out, God, you know, am I gonna have more children? Am I gonna have more sons? Am I I gonna, you know, what's, no, he didn't wait for that to happen. He didn't dialogue on that. He didn't rationalize that out in his mind, but because he did not withhold his one son, God blessed him with many sons. How many of you are with me? If you keep reading the story, if you, but if you get stuck in the process of it and you think, oh my goodness, you get caught up, caught up in the minutia of it, you're going to sit there and rationalize, oh, well, what God is calling me to do. But Abraham said, no, I will give my one, my first and my only son. And I just wonder how many, how many of you know Abraham? He had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. How many of you grew up Knowing the song, Father Abraham. Come on, let me see your hands in the place. Wow, we have about the same in the first service. Some Sunday, we're going to teach it to you. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. We're going to do it. And this is a motion activity song. It's a powerful song. You got to get in. I mean, your kids need to know this song. That's right. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. But how many of you know that God is just looking to you and he's looking to me today that if you will give up that one thing, he can multiply the rest. But if you and I are going to hold on to it, if we're going to cling on to it with our dear life, how many of you know you're going to lose it anyway? Right? But so many people are looking for multiplication effects in Christ but you haven't yet yielded your heart and your your autonomy to Christ Jesus to say, God, what I have is yours and you can use it for your glory. And it is at that moment, God can multiply the effects of that and he will give you many sons. He will give you many daughters. He will take care of the rest. See, trust is not known until it's shown. The third is, God is calling all of us to a higher trust. This is true, right? He's calling us all to realize that our best without God is not good enough. He's calling all of us to not lose sight of him as the source of our life and our salvation. You know, as I talk about trusting God, maybe you find yourself reasoning it out, holding on to something other than fully trusting in who God is. You may say, I trust God, but I'm upset. I'm worried about many things today, and it's so bad out there, and you don't know my predicament. No, I don't. I trust God, but there's ungodly and dishonest people at work that are against me. I, I trust God, but have you heard? You know? But I'm reminded of Scripture in Psalm 44, verse 6. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory. Psalm 56:4. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. If you're like most Christians, you're probably concerned about the direction of our country the liberal influences on laws, bias against God in the media. People of high trust in the Bible live with a lot more uncertainty than we do in the day and age we live. We are a blessed nation. Remember God is not out of office. He is still God over the universe. And let me tell you something. He got this thing started and he surely knows how to finish it, church. Amen. He surely knows how to take care of it because he's God. Amen. Because nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is beyond God. I want to encourage you that you would embrace trust that is above political issues, economics, People that oppose you, conspiracies. This, you know, this think on this: seeing God is that is a source of your life and salvation, knowing that your best without God is not good enough, but with God, all things are possible. With God on our side, we have nothing to fear. Psalm 20, verse 7: some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. This whole story of Abraham is so powerful because it is a picture of God sending his son, Jesus, To the earth, his only begotten Son, to save us from our own wretched condition, that we would have eternal life. See, the promise, because of you, Abraham, Father Abraham, because of your obedience to me, God says, Listen, you will go after and conquer enemy nations. As I look to the future and we see God's word, He tells us that after we go on up to heaven, we will come back and we will rule with Him. We will rule with Jesus over the nations of the earth. Do you see the promise continue? Do you see the impact that your life has? Your decisions, my decisions, impact not only our today's, but our tomorrows in Christ the Lord. See, there's a fundamental difference between a pole vaulter and a high jumper. High jumper runs as fast and he leaps as they can. Maybe he'll get seven or eight feet. Their human effort will take them so far. Not a pole vaulter. They run, but they do not lean on their own legs. There is a hole in the ground. They carry a pole. As they run, they place that pole in that hole in the ground, And they're putting all their weight on the ability of the pole to not only hold them, but to catapult them to heights that they would never have been able to go on their own. Jesus Christ is your pole. He can take you higher, he can take you farther, and he can help you have victory in Jesus Christ. But as long as you and I are just relying on this, We're not going to go very far. But if we come and we rely and put our full trust in God, he's got this. We are his. He is mine. God will lead us and direct us into victory. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this story of Abraham. Thank you for the story of the rich young ruler. Father, lessons through your word. A picture, God, of what you have done for us, of giving your only begotten son that we could have eternal life in you. Father, I pray today as we think about this story that we would begin to relinquish the things that we have held so dear. Lord, Lord, that we would give, we would open our hands, we would open our hearts, we would open our minds to you, God. So that, Lord, you can multiply the very things that you've given to us. Without us opening, without us surrendering, without us giving up, Lord, just our dependence on our own self. Lord, we can't, we can't have our, our effects multiplied. But, Lord, you can. You can do it if we say, Lord, it is yours. Take it and do it for your glory and your kingdom and your power that Lord Jesus, you could multiply the things in our life that we could never do on our own power and our own strength. I thank you for our country that we live in Father God, that you are raising up men and women of God to fully trust in you. That we will not walk by what we see or what we feel, but Lord, what your word says. Lord, we thank you that our full trust is in your mighty name again today. And we give you thanks for this great country that we live in. That this country will once again trust you. This country will once again Bless you, Lord Jesus, and I praise you and I give you the thanks for the men and women that have given their lives, Lord, so that we can be and we can live in freedom on this soil, Lord, to give you the thanks and to give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and everyone said amen and amen.